All right, we need water. You know, water, water is essential for life, right? Uh, you know, where are my science people at? I was a kind of a science guy, not a Bill Nye, but kind of just a kid that enjoyed to learn. And so, uh, you know, I did good in science. It wasn't my best subject. But uh, when you're thinking about water and you think about its importance for us, I mean, come on, you're science people. Y'all are the ones I would refer to, you know, with my trivia questions like, how much of the Earth's surface is water? You know, it's like, well, 20, 50, you know, 71% of this planet's surface is covered with water. 71% of this planet's surface is covered with water. And so it's obviously essential to life on Earth, but it's not just essential to life on Earth. It's also essential to my life and your life. On average, what's the percentage of water in the human body? On average, it varies from age and body makeups, but the average number, a good average number is what? It's 60%. 60% of the human body is made out of water. And so um, we need water to function. We need water to function as a planet, as a society. But we also need water to function as individuals. Like, I need water. When I'm thirsty, I need water. I wrote a song about it. <laughs> the first song I ever had played on the radio, so one called I Need Water. Oh, no, the name of the song was Thirsty. But the hook was I Need Water, I'm Thirsty. I'm not even talking about that right now. But... Um, when we think about and we deal with, you know, thirst as a part of this Matthew 25 text, we talked about hunger last week. Uh, we got to understand that there is absolutely a need for water. There's an absolutely need, absolutely a need for our thirst to be quenched. It's not something to play with. It's, this is not a this is not one of those things where um, it's like a not need, like you don't need, you know, the nicest clothes. You don't need soda. You need water. You need your the, the, the most deep, pure thirst of your body and soul met and matched. And so when we think about needing something to drink and, and Jesus saying here that you gave, you know, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And then Moses and the people of Israel saying, we're thirsty, you know, they're thirsty. Like, what do they do? Uh, we recognize that water is the ultimate solution here to the thirst and when we don't have enough we have we, you know we're thirsty you know you get the the dry mouth and and all this other stuff all these other issues because our thirst can have a negative impact on us it can have a negative effect on us being thirsty being too thirsty can kind of lead you to be dehydrated right i'm not a science teacher by any means but it's obvious you know you know i don't know have you ever been dehydrated or felt dehydrated or you haven't had enough water because you can drink stuff and still get De and still kind of be dehydrated because you're not drinking water. And so, you know, you can see, still see some of the signs like the lightheadedness, the dizziness, the fatigue, you know, um, the color of the pee that's coming out of you, you know, and it looks like lemonade or it looks neon green. It's like, it's like it's supposed to look closer to, to clear. Uh, and so, all of these things, all of these issues uh, are, are regular physical issues. It, it, it affects how you think, you know, just like you can get hangry, like, you know, you can be so hungry that it, it, you be about ready to snap. I'm definitely one of those people that's been there. Anybody else, you know, be ready to fight somebody because you're hungry? I understand. Um, but beyond that, I, I think it's just in, incumbent on us to understand that thirst is 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 just as important. In, in fact, there's a lot of times where we think we're hungry and we're actually thirsty. We think we want to eat something to fill us up. But what would actually better do the job is if we just had some water because we need water. We don't need Kit Kats 
God bless them. We don't need cake. God bless them. We don't need fries and cheeseburgers and pies and and I'm lusting right now. Lord, forgive me. We don't need all of that stuff, but we need water, you know. Um, and so the challenge for us is that a lot of times, whether you're talking physically or spiritually, is that you have a thirst for pure water. You need water. You're lacking water. But what we want to do is we want to solve the, the main problem with something that's related or kind of similar, but not the actual thing we need. And so we'll try to solve our water issue with other drinks. We'll try to solve our thirst for spiritual or physical uh, spiritual, whatever, with some other spirituality. Um, but we won't go straight to the water. We won't go straight to Jesus. We'll, we'll try to find something that's sweeter. We'll try to find something that's got more flavor. We'll try to find something that got some pop to it, some soda, some Sprite, some chocolate milk. We'll try to find anything, you know, we, that will satiate our thirst, but we want some more flavor. When what's probably the best thing for us is the thing that we're actually made out of. You ain't got cheese whiz or Kool-Aid pumping through your veins. You got blood and it's filled with water. And muscles, fibers that are are fortified with water. Like we got water, you know. Uh, and so it's okay to have these other drinks. Obviously, I'm not condemning, uh, you know, a Nesquik. I, I like it myself. I'm not eating sweets right now. And so... These are all the things that are coming to my mind. This happens. Anyway, um, I, I'm not condemning other drinks. I'm also not condemning practices that bring peace. But what I'm saying is that those things may be okay, but they can't replace the, the, the necessity, the essential function of water in the body, of, 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 of satisfying your spiritual thirst with living water. Okay, and so it's it's why overall it's so important not to neglect thirst, but also not to redirect thirst. Is is why it's so important to have your thirst quenched, and and consequently, nice word there. Consequently, it's also why it's so important for us as as the body of believers and as people that God is looking at as His hands and feet on the earth to be willing to give a drink to provide for the need, like to see the thirsty and then give a drink, you know, because it's God's desire for us to be thirst quenchers, to be thirst quenchers. That's why Jesus the Christ highlights those who give drink. And he's, I mean, it says here, he's got a few different categories and we've already gone through hunger um, you know, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. This is something that God is saying is to be praised. He's saying that this is a sign. This is one of the signs that you are who you say you are. This is one of the signs that you are my people. This is one of the signs that you're one of my sheep, that you go on the right hand side because you saw me thirsty and you gave me a drink. And they're like, well, who, who saw you thirsty? When did we see you thirsty? Saying whenever you saw it and did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And so Jesus is saying to the body of Christ that you should actually see him when you see others that are in need. And when we, so we've been in need and we've had others serve us on God's behalf. And we've we've come before the Lord when we're in dry places or thirsty places and, and we need something or we just just plain physically thirsty, like we need a drink. We've had the resources God has given us. 
God has given us. We, we've got money. We got drink. We got Kool-Aid. You got whatever drinks you want. Whatever drinks you want. You got them. But the question isn't what you can accumulate. The question is what can you give? Because Jesus is not identifying his sheep based on what they've accumulated. Jesus is identifying his sheep. Jesus identifies his people. Jesus identifies those that claim that that sincerely claim to be down with him by what they give. That's the beautiful thing about this. He is promising them, hey, y'all come here. I have to give you something that was prepared from the beginning. That's what he says here. So he says here, da, 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 go back 34. Um, it says, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Jesus is saying to his sheep, Jesus is saying to believers in Christ, followers of Christ, those that um, pick up their cross, deny themselves and follow him. He's saying, I got something to give you. And he's saying it based on the fact that when he looked at our lives, when he looked in like from eternity past and eternity present, eternity future, like his perspective ain't, ain't limited like ours. We can look down at our lives and see you gave, you gave. And so you gave a drink to the thirsty. Yes, there are absolutely people thirsting. There's absolutely people thirsting. There are absolutely people that are physically hungry and thirsty. They're absolutely people that are spiritually hungry and thirsty. They're people thirsting. They're people that are in need. And God is in a position to bless us so that we are no longer thirsty and we are no longer hungry. And then also in a position to bless through us so that we can live out Matthew 25 based on 2 Corinthians 9 where he can make us generous on every, he can give us so much to make us generous on every occasion because he loves a cheerful giver. He can make us the source, the ones that, the, well, not the source, but the conduit where it's given and we give it away. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know if you can recall, honestly, like when God has sent someone your way that has really satiated your thirst. Like when God has sent some, it's like when you've been thirsty, like if you play the sport, anybody play sports out there, give me a hundred or amen or something. When you play a sport and we, we did this all the time when we were kids, cause we didn't have bottled water. It was a bottled water when I was a kid. There were no bottled waters in the nineties. And so you were, you were playing and playing and playing. And all of a sudden when you take a break, you realize, you know, you've been playing outside Everything in your mouth is pasty. It's like you just inhaled and, and your whole mouth is coated with a layer of country, back row, North Carolina dirt. And so you thirsty, you about to, <gasps> so you go and you get yourself some water from a water fountain. If you have access to a water fountain, but how many of y'all know about the water hose? When the water hose was your Dasani, when the water hose was your pure life, when the water hose was your alkali water, the water hose was smart water, vitamin water, all of it, the water hose, the water hose gave life. Amen. I could preach a sermon on the water hose. I'm not going to do it right now, but that was like the best water you'd ever had, right? Because you, you, you needed it. You recognized that you had been expending and spending energy and, and it just won't write no more. And you needed some water. So you went out, we went out there, put a mouth up to the water hose and you got, you got your water. Then you went back to playing. Uh, we, we're thirsty. 
when we spend our time and our energy in this life, we will become thirsty because we will need to be replenished. We will be hungry because we need to be replenished. That is physical food and everybody understands that. That is physical drink and everybody understands that. But sometimes we don't get that it is also spiritual. It is also so very spiritual. And so what he's saying here in Matthew 25 is that he wants us to function in the same way that he does uh, in the whole book. He wants to be us to be those people that relieve hunger and relieve thirst. You talk about the, the disciples when Jesus was speaking and they're like, send these people home so they can get something to eat. And Jesus was like, well, why don't you feed them? And got the fish and the loaves and multiplied it and had the disciples dispersed to provide food. You talk about when Jesus met the woman at the well and, and she was she was there and he asked her to give him a drink. And then she this started this conversation where he was like, well, you know, if you ask me for a drink, I could give you a drink that never goes bad. I could give you that living water and create this whole other, and that's John chapter four, this whole other um, experience. Um, but I want to highlight another experience where we can see uh, that God has provided for the thirst of his people, has given provision and reinforced trust with his people. So we can understand also like what we, that we can and should do it ourselves. And so I'm going to go back to Exodus chapter 17. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Type amen. Sometimes I'm good at my preacherisms on the internet and sometimes I'm not, I'm not as good. Sometimes I'll just get into the message and just start lecturing to the camera. Um, and so I'm giving you a chance now to do some call and response. What words shall we use? I'm just kidding. But yeah, um, sort of kidding. We go back to Exodus 17 and we look, and I just want to kind of point out some things that are happening here, okay? I just want to point out a few things. What is happening here is simply this. God's chosen people are following God's chosen path. It's the simplest description I could give you. Um, God chose Israel. He, he selected them through Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. And Jacob had the 12 sons. Right. And Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord and it was renamed Israel. And so the 12 tribes of Israel came out of the 12 sons of Jacob. Uh, Israel. And so, of course, they go through, uh, they become prosperous, they become numerous. And then a Pharaoh rises that doesn't know Joseph and doesn't know um, the people, Israel's ancestors. And so they, they enslave them. They become free. They've been delivered. And so now they're following God's chosen path. And I just want to highlight here that they are thirsty. They were hungry. I want you to understand that being God's chosen person, being God's people like we are as the church, does not excuse us from difficulty just because we're on God's chosen path. In fact, as a result, this is not even related, but I need somebody needs to hear this. As a result, it may be me, as a result of following God's chosen path, as a result of being God's chosen people and following God's chosen path, you will encounter difficult and dry places. You will encounter places that are difficult to navigate. You will encounter places that inspire you to fr be frustrated. They inspire you to complain. They inspire you to be frustrated and woe is me and why am I here? And you're not alone in that. I need you to know that you're not alone. And I need you to know that God has shown up in situations like that for you, 
for me and even here in the text. Um, God's chosen people following God's, cho God's chosen path into a difficult, dry place with no water. And so he takes them to a place without drink. And so what do they do? Do they trust the God that just gave them manna? Do they trust the God that delivered them out of slavery? Do they trust the God that delivered them from the hand of the enemy? Do they trust the God that passed over their home so that they could be safely delivered? Do they trust the God that's made a promise to their people? Do they trust the God that has a promised land ahead of them? No, they don't do any of that. You know why they slash we don't do any of that? <laughs> because the immediate frustration get, you know, becomes so much bigger than the record of blessing that we ignore the past blessings. We ignore what God has done. We can't think of it because our desire, our the, the, the drought, the, the dryness, the hunger, the thirst is so pressing and so paramount in our perspective um, that we can't, we're not even thinking well, he did this and God did that and God did that. Because let's be real about it. If instead of complaining, we just began to list, make a list and proclaim the list of what God has done, then it'd be really, we'd be really hard pressed to find ourselves in a position of this kind of complaining that the people of Israel and we sometimes fall in. But what happens is that's exactly where they go. They go straight to complaining. They complain about Moses. They go so far in their complaining that by verse three, they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Why would you deliver us just to have us fail? Why would you lead me into that promotion if I was going to get fired? Why would you put me in a position of difficulty, Lord? Why? So they are testing the Lord. That's what Moses is saying. Like these people are testing. Moses is saying, he cries out, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Like These people are like, they about to kill me. So Moses goes to God for help. Moses hears God and then he chastises the Israelites. Now what happens? Moses goes to God. God hears Moses and then he strikes them all with the plague. Not what happens here. Moses goes to the goes to God because these people have gone crazy with their complaints and they're testing God and they're questioning his goodness and questioning whether or not like why what is even your purpose for us why did you even do this and it's so interesting to me that what God does is he gives Moses instructions on how to bring them the thing that they want he doesn't demonstrate any anger in this moment about the attitude they have, the perspective they have, it does, he, he doesn't go there, which is surprising because I know that we would go there. And I know that in the future, God does have negative things to say about how they have treated him, um, how they have handled the blessing that he's given them. But right here, they go complaining. Moses speaks to him on their behalf. And he simply gives instructions on what to do. It's pretty powerful because he cries out says the Lord answered Moses. He does not address their complaints um, or the nature of their complaints or his displeasure with their lack of confidence at all. He says, go out in front of the people. So go to where they can see you. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. Take a reminder of God's previous power and deliverance with you. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. What happened? 
So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He did it. The water came. And, and so Moses named this place. Like Moses did more is more frustrated than God demonstrates frustration here. He says he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord. And the words um, are translated. The, the Massa word is translated testing and the Meribah word is translated quarreling. It's a translation of quarreling. Um, and so that's what happens in the story. But really, like, what's the lesson for us? Um, and, and there's like, what, five, five points I want to make real quick about the lesson for us. And then I'm going to pray. Um, the first lesson for us in how God addresses these people or, or just this whole situation, the whole situation is that one is that God is with people, even if they're struggling. God is with people even if they're struggling. I know we've talked in the past about um, how there are cultures, and sometimes it's even American culture, where they equate blessing and supernatural favor with natural prosperity. So if you're making money, you got the nice house, the job, people think that you are on top of the world and God must be with you or the universe must be on your side or whatever. Um, but what it, what the truth of the matter is, is that God is with people even if they're struggling. Um, and I find this one interesting, <laughs> that God is with people even if they're hostile. Even if they're hostile, even if they're hostile, even if they're not, uh, the character of the person is not ideal. I know that sometimes we wanna blame people for their own issues. I know sometimes we, want, we, we hold a flashlight to other people's issues that's not quite like the one we hold up on our issues. And so we kind of find it easy to blame others uh, for their condition, or we find it easy to, to look at others with some condemnation in our hearts. But I want it to be made very clear from this piece of text and also from your life and my life as a testimony that God is with people even when they're rebellious, even if they're hostile to him, even when they're questioning him and questioning why they've been put in this situation, God has not left them. And so I think that's important to understand that God didn't leave them. And so why would we, you know, in Matthew 25, we don't have an excuse for ignoring the needs of people because of their attitude. Just let that sit there. I'm going to keep moving. Uh, and so what we have to see, oh, actually, I preempted my point. What God does here is God addresses their physical needs first, not their attitude. So the issue is... They have a physical issue. There's thirst. They just had a uh, issue. There's hunger. And, um, so there's hunger. There's thirst. And what happens, excuse me, is that the the thirst then causes them to respond in a way that is unbecoming, is hostile, that's not favorable. Uh, and sometimes we deal with rough people and, and people that aren't pleasant and whatever. And we want to deal with them based on how they're acting. Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord here didn't deal with people based on how they were acting. He dealt with people based on what they needed. Uh, he dealt with the physical need first, not their attitude. I think that's a powerful thing for us to understand. Because as believers, it's God's desire that we quench thirst, not judge character. We are so, man, 
I don't, sometimes I'm reluctant to get into church politicky things that I notice as I'm, because I'm kind of plugged in those circles, but you may not care about that stuff at all. And if you don't, I don't want to get you looking into places that will confuse you. Um, and so I'm not going to go deep in there, but um, what we are called to do as believers is judge the body, like judge ourselves. Like, I, are, is our church functioning with integrity? Are we handling business the way that will please God? Not judge the character of the out, the people that are not in our church that we're supposed to be serving. And so Moses uh, here is frustrated. He is actually a servant among the people. He's a servant leader. He is an Israelite. He's leading the Israelites. He's serving the Israelites. And so that's one, one thing, one way. But I, I just want us to understand that God didn't instruct him to pass judgment or to condemn. It's not even like later prophecies where God would instruct somebody to to speak out against. What's happening in this situation is that there's people that are in need and God is instructing and Christ commends in the New Testament when we are generous givers, um, not generous, not, you know, generous givers, not excellent critics. Right. And so let's make sure that we are focusing our desires and our walk and our calling on quenching the thirst of others, not judging their character. And last, what I want to say here is that God will make a way even if it doesn't make sense. God makes a way even if it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for water to come from a rock. It doesn't make sense for manna to fall from heaven. But God is not bound by what we think makes sense. God does not have to do it the way that you think it has to be done. In fact, when we go before God on behalf of others, then he can use us. He can move in us, through us, around us. He can network on our behalf. He can make. He can work in the back rooms of the supernatural and produce fruit through us and we don't even know how it happened. And that's exactly what happened with Moses. Moses couldn't give you a scientific explanation for what happened and how the water came out the rock. All he knows is he's got a sign of God's previous faithfulness, a sign of God's holiness, a sign of God's power and love, and it's in his hands. And the Lord instructs him to strike the rock with the sign and then the water comes from the rock. And so the encouragement I have is that God can work in our situations, but not just in our situations in a way that doesn't make sense to us. He can also work through you in a way that doesn't make sense to you or to others. So many of us want to be able to control the narrative and control God's power. But if we really want to be submitted and we really want to see God's power move, then you can't bridle that thing. You can't put a leash on it. God's going to do what God's going to do. And what's up to us is to be like Moses and go before the Lord. What would you have me do? What am I supposed to do? They need something. They about to stone me. They about to go crazy. What do I do? And then get that answer from the Lord and walk in obedience to what he tells you. That's what's on us. And I just want to make a point that this applies. And I kind of hinted at it a couple of times. This applies both both applies physically and spiritually. I'm getting the dry mouth. I'm thirsty. This applies physically and spiritually. Because in Matthew 25, and even in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Christ and Paul are praising those who are meeting the needs of the people. In Matthew 25, he's praising his sheep because they've met the needs of the least, the least of these. He's, they're meeting, they have met their needs. In their life's work, the evidence of their faith was manifested in their care for the hungry and thirsty. And I want us to understand that the least are people that are hungry and thirsty physically 
and people that are hungry and thirsty spiritually. Because we need to understand that we have a physical call to meet needs and a spiritual call to meet needs. Uh, and a call to meet physical needs and a call to meet spiritual needs. Uh, but I think we have to understand the priorities. Some of us, and me included, have been in a position where we want to we want somebody to know the truth so bad. Um, but there is something blocking. There is a need, a pressing need and desire that is keeping them from focusing on the message we want to message we want to send because they need food in their belly, because they need clothes on their back, because they need something. Their life lacks. And so there's a thirst, a hunger. And so what Jesus applauds his people for is meeting the needs of the least of these. And what we are in a position to do is provide that for them. In the Exodus story, the, the issue is water. People have bad attitudes, but he doesn't address the spiritual part first. He establishes another reason for them to trust him first. He gives provision. And now here's yet another opportunity for y'all to reestablish your commitment to the Lord because you've seen how good he is. Now a sermon can be preached because you're not thinking about this overwhelming problem that's in your face now. And so we, in the same way, we can take a lesson from this as we move into the community because God's going to bless us. God's going to bless us with this $80,000. And if it ends up being more than $80,000, God's going to bless us with whatever we need. So that we can be established at 5919 Merrill Road. So that we can be the church that we claim to be that reaches people and raises them up for life in Christ. And we're going to be able to meet physical needs. And we're going to understand that we meet the physical need in order to illustrate the spiritual principle. We give water for life. We need water for life. We give water for life. And we also give living water. We give them the name of Jesus. Feed them. Feed them water. Give them food. Give them Jesus. Give them the love of God. Give them the truth of God. So that they're not just ministered to physically. They're ministered to spiritually. That's what we're talking about. We talked about last week. talked about this week. We should address the physical and the spiritual. And so last week I challenged you. Um, and said that I was starting a fast and I was asking you, inviting you to join with me. 21 days, we're seven days in, 14 left. 21 days fasting from something you love. For me, that's sweets. Praying for 21 days, 21 day prayer challenge. And I know people are going in and out of town for vacations. I, I respect that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, looking at you and what your habits are, but I encourage you, if you're home, if you're going to be home, pray. I, I sent out a document to everybody that said that I'm in. If you want access to that document, um, that guideline for this 21 day fast and prayer. Um, and if you want that, just type I'm in. I'll get it to you. I'll send it in your DMs. I'll make sure that you get it. Um, but also give. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's already pledged to support the 5919 Merrill Road renovation. Um, I also want to ask you if you haven't gone and made a pledge, if you haven't uh, given anything, I invite you to do so. Help us be the beacon of hope, the beacon of light, um, the beacon of life in higher definition that we know that we're called to be. And, and so that when we come together for the first time and we shout and celebrating, you know, uh, whether you're with us in person or with us from a distance, that you played a part in seeing God's vision for HD Church fulfilled in Jacksonville. Um, and so we're asking people to make a pledge and not only make a pledge, ask some people, ask your friends, ask your family, ask your network if, if you know, if they'll donate. 
Um, I promise you, God is going to move and use us, but we got to do the ask. We got to ask. And so we're asking everybody to, from all the people you know in network with to raise a total of $500 between now and the end of July. Now and the end of July. From your network, so that can empower us to get this thing done. We're already having conversations about how the building can be used to benefit the community beyond what we know is it will be a blessed will be blessed Sunday services. Um, and so I just ask you to join with us uh, in prayer, join with us in fasting, join with us praying and believing, and join with us in giving. Um, the site tinyurl.com slash buildhd tinyurl.com slash buildhd you can give to the the the, the campaign to help us uh, complete this renovation which believe in and trust in god and i cannot wait to the day that i can say that it's done all right let's pray Lord God, I want to thank you and praise you for this day, for life, health, and strength, for all that you are, for all that you've done. And I pray right now that you are shaking everything loose, that resources are being opened up and made available in our lives so that we can have our hunger and thirst satiated and quenched and that we can also be a vessel so that through us, you will use us to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty, that you will use us to be a blessing in a way that is both supernatural and practical, that we will not neglect your call, but we will embrace it fully, walking by faith, not by sight, trusting in you, loving you, and loving the people that you placed in front of us to serve. In Jesus' name, amen.